You guys can go ahead and have a seat. Thank you for being here. It's all about the cross. It's all about the cross. It's really what Good Friday is all about. It's a fairly simple message, profound. Our Lord, our Savior, at the cross, paying the penalty of our sin. Thank you for being here. Good Friday service at the Rock Community Church. Uh, it's good to see a full house, You're squeezing on in, adding rows in the back. Uh, it's a pleasure for me to spend this time with you. And tonight, I just want to kind of have some family time. We'll continue with some worship later on. At the end of service, there'll be an opportunity for you to uh, participate in communion up front. But before we move on, I would like to spend some time together walking through a biblical overview of what communion is. Communion is. And I think... After we go through it, you'll agree with me that it will be very appropriate for a Good Friday service. See, communion is the most wonderful, sacred act of worship that the blood-bought church of Jesus Christ can experience. It is the sacred memory of the cross, and it's the time for us to have self-examination in our own life. The bread speaks of the body of Christ and the cup to his blood. And they both point to the cross where he was crucified. If you have your Bibles and you'd like to open up, we'll be reading out of 1 Corinthians 11. The light's going to remain dim, so if you can't see, that's all right. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. First of all, communion, as, as believers in Christ, we are commanded to participate in communion. It's something that we ought to do. Luke tells us in regards to communion, he says, do this. In Acts 2, we see that it's a sacred act of obedience. So it's something that we are to do as believers. But I want you to know, there's something worse than being disobedient and not partaking in communion. And that would be coming to communion, coming to his table when we don't deserve to be there. To, in essence, come in an unworthy manner. Let's read. It'll be 1 Corinthians 11, verse 27. It says, Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Verse 28. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eat and drinks judgment to himself, if he does not judge the body rightly. Wow. I mean, this is a, a serious matter. For Christians to come to the Lord's table, participate in communion when we have not individually repented when we don't have a desire for righteousness, when we don't have a desire for holiness above all. So the Bible tells us, church, families, husbands, wives, examine yourselves. Why does the Bible tell us to examine ourselves? Well, because he doesn't want us to enter into communion in an unworthy manner. But what would be an unworthy manner to enter into com communion? We can be practical here. One, just an example if we were to enter into communion with a, a spirit of bitterness or hatred for a fellow believer, to come with sin of which we are unwilling to repent, if we enter into communion with anything less than the loftiest thoughts of the Father, the Son, 
and the Holy Spirit. Anything less than total love for our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Be unworthy if we participated in communion as a ritual. To participate without our minds, without our hearts. To go through the motions without going through the emotions. To treat it lightly rather than treat it seriously. To come unworthy to the Lord's table, as it says, become guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Give you an example. Think of the, our country's flag. The flag of the United States of America. Everyone should be familiar with that. Now, when we describe the flag and we think about it, is there a proper way to carry our flag? Is there a proper way to hold our flag? Store our flag? Fold our flag? Handle our flag? Display our flag? There are ways to do this that are appropriate for that flag. Now, to disregard our flag or to mishandle it or to even trample on our flag, think about it, does, does doing that, does it dishonor the piece of cloth? Does it dishonor flags in general? But what does it dishonor? It dishonors the country that that flag represents. See, to do so, to, to trample on our flag or, or to treat it incorrectly would be unworthy because what that flag stands for. It's a symbol of our great country. It's a symbol for all the people who have died for our great country. It's a symbol for everything we stand for. Likewise, communion. To partake in communion in an unworthy manner doesn't dishonor churches. Doesn't dishonor pastors. Bread, nor does it dishonor grape juice. But it dishonors what it stands for. It dishonors the honor in who is celebrated through it. And he says, we become guilty of dishonoring his body, his blood, which represents his total grace, his life, his sacrifice for us, his suffering, his death on our behalf. We become guilty of mocking and treating with indifference the very person of Jesus Christ. He says, examine yourself. Let a man examine himself. We have our kids in here. If you're under 18, raise your hand. I got to see you all coming in. Glad you're here. Saturday night group, glad you're here. Some of you I haven't seen in a long time. Good to see you up here on the hill. Um, but kids, think of this. Have you ever been to a doctor's appointment? Mm. I know, that's a good thing, right? When we go to a doctor's appointment, what does the doctor do? It examines you, right? Have you ever had a checkup? In a checkup, you go there to get checked out by the doctor. What's he do? He takes temperature, maybe? Has he ever looked in your throat? Maybe in your ear? Blood pressure? Cholesterol? All those things? Even measure your height, weight, sees where you're at? He does a physical examination to see how you're doing physically in your health. In the same manner, we are to examine ourselves spiritually before we enter into communion. To look honestly at our hearts. To be real with ourselves. To see if there's anything in there that shouldn't be in there. To sift out the sin. To take a moment to examine our motives and our actions and our attitude towards the Lord, maybe towards His, his Word, maybe towards His people maybe towards the communion service itself. 
All of it should come under private scrutiny before the Lord. And when we do this, I really want you to note this. When we do this, look around. Look at all the people at our church that are here. When we do this, communion becomes the most special time for purifying our church. It says, a person who partakes in communion without examining themselves eat and drinks judgment to himself if he doesn't judge the body correctly. But verse 31 says, if we judge ourselves correctly, we should not be judged. This involves correctly discerning who, what, and where we're at. Understanding who, what, and where we ought to be. 1 John 1.9 we confess our sins, our wrong attitudes, our wrong motives, he is faithful, he is just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I'd like us to take some time now to do that. Individually in your chair, I'm going to invite Anthony to come back up. Just a quick moment of prayer. That was fast. Thank you. But bow your heads. Close your eyes. Simple private time between you and the Lord. To be still and know that He is God. The Bible says, How blessed is He whose transgressions is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, in whose spirit there is no deceit. It says, Come to me, all who are weary, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. First Corinthians chapter 11 verse 23 says the Lord in the night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me in the same way he took the cup also after supper saying this cup is a new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me he tells us multiple times in there to do this in remembrance of what he's done for us. In essence, remember his, his body, his ministry, his, his physical attributes of when he was here. Everything from his birth to his death, from his resurrection to his ascension. Right, His miraculous virgin birth, not in the castle, not in the palace. Think about the Roman army when you're born, having a death sentence, equivalent to our modern-day Navy SEALs looking to destroy. He says, remember this. Remember his perfect life and his ministry, his teaching, his miracles, his wonders, his healings. Also remember his trials. 
When, when people try to tempt him, his persecution, his opposition, his rejection, his betrayal. Remember Palm Sunday. People were excited, lined the streets, singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, our King. That led him days later to his mock trial. Pilate, not really knowing what to do with this Jew. Man, how do I solve this? I've got a mob on my hands. I know, I'll bring, I'll give him a decision. I'll let the people vote. People, who do you want? I'll set somebody free. Barabbas or Jesus? He says, remember this. And what did the people cry out? Let Barabbas go free. I'm sure Pilate pondered. Well, what do you want me to do with this one we call Jesus? And what's the crowd say? Crucify him. Crucify him. This is, remember. Being scourged 39 times. Romans did this a little bit different than the Jews when Paul was whipped, lashed 39 times is a little bit different. Romans used, it was a wood handle, had traditionally in the culture at this time period, three tails to it. They'd take bone from a lamb, the pelvis bone, they'd cut it in small squares, drill holes in it, and they'd put them every three inches on all three of the tails. Historians call this method the scorpion whip because at the end of the whip there would be hooks. If you've ever whipped a whip, the part that goes the fastest is the end. And they'd whip, and it would hook. The bones would tear. Commonly, bones would be exposed. When the Romans carried out this practice, they would do it 13 times, because every one counted as three, because there's three tails, which would lead to 39 the law was established if you whip somebody 40 times, it was, a, it was a death sentence. Historians believe that if you didn't kill somebody in that culture by the 40th whip, the person administrating the discipline would then be put to death. It was, it was serious. It says, remember this. After that, They strip them and dress them in a scarlet robe. And they make their crown of thorns, place it on his head, put a reed in his right hand, and, and mock him. Just remember this when you, when you take the bread. Remember my body as I, I carried my cross when I was on my back and they're yelling at me, Hail the King of the Jews! As they spat. On him, as they, it says in the Bible, beat him on his head. And up on the mountaintop, the, the cross would have been laid on the ground. They would have laid him on top of it. Would have took what we would have described more like a stake, iron, square, stretched out his hand, and fixed it to the cross, to the other one, across the legs, through his feet, this would have been laying down. Then they would have erected the cross, transferring the weight from his back to the stakes. A lot of detail and 
how one dies through crucifixion is actually through your lungs filling up with fluids. One of the most heinous parts would have been once they stood up, they would have had to carry this cross with him mounted on it. There would have been, they estimate, about a four-foot hole hanging there that they would have dropped him into. He says, remember this. The one we sang about on the hill, on the cross, between two criminals. And the passing of insults, the hurling abuses, continue. Save yourself. If you're the Son of Man, come down from that cross. Well, you can save others. Can't you save yourself? If you're the king of Israel, come down. You fool. At the sixth hour, darkness fell upon the land. That would have made me think twice. The ninth hour cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in my mind's eye, I try to think of the most vile, disgusting, foul-smelling fluid, a vat of it, a pool of it, it's being infected with disease and virus and cancer and awful bacteria, and I picture myself being forced to be submersed in it and trying to keep it off my lips and my eyes and my ears and all that, and it doesn't even come close to imagine what it was like for the Holy Son of God to be submersed into the filth and the death of mine and yours sin. And he says on the cross, it is finished. He says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he said that, he breathed his last breath. He says, remember this. Remember my body is symbol of the bread and, and the cup it says it's the symbol of my blood. I'm sorry, the bread of body and the cup is of his blood. Remember the blood. Now the, the blood is key for us. The very essence of our sanctification is the cancellation. It's the payment of our sins. February 16th, 1989. Ontario, Canada. George and his wife Vera. Lives were changed forever. A very normal Thursday morning, the phone rang at 9.15 a.m. They were told, there's been an accident and it involves your son, Ben. As they approached the intersection near the high school, they could see the flashing lights of the police car and the ambulance units. Vera noticed a photographer and followed the direction of his camera lens to the largest pool of blood she had ever seen. All she could say was, George, Ben went home. Just a quote, home to be with his heavenly father. Her first reaction was to jump out of the car, somehow collect the blood and put it back into her son. This is a quote. That blood for me at that moment became the most precious thing in the world because it was life. It was life-giving blood and it belonged to my son, my only son. The one I love so much. The road was dirty and the blood just didn't belong there. George, the dad, Notice that cars were driving right through the intersection, right through the blood. His heart was smitten. 
He wanted to cover the blood with his coat and cry, You will not drive over the blood of my son. Get this. Then Vera, the mom, understood for the first time in her life one of God's greatest and most beautiful truths. Why blood? Why blood? And she writes, Because it's the strongest language God could use. Why blood? Because it's the most precious thing he could give. Why blood? Because it's the highest price one can pay. It's a good Friday. Through God's amazing love, we were redeemed. With the precious blood of Christ, we have salvation. May we never treat lightly nor trample underfoot the blood of God's Son. By the power of the blood, the Bible tells us that we are made as white as... Hallelujah! By the power of the blood, it says that we are innocent as a pure lamb. Our sin has been separated from us as far as the east is from the west. And get this, best of all, he remembers it no more. So yeah, we're instructed to remember. And I personally, studying this, I I find it funny. It shows how smart God is. Because we tend to forget. We tend to get caught up with a lot of other stuff, don't we? It says, remember me. Remember the cross. Remember the true purpose of Good Friday. Most of all, remember how much our Lord and Savior loves us. The cross. It's all about the cross. It's where he poured out his love. It's where he poured poured out his mercy, poured out his grace, poured out his forgiveness. The good news is, as great as the story is, the story even gets better. But that's good enough for tonight. The rest of the story we'll talk about Sunday. But he has risen. He has risen indeed. If the band can come back up. This last part of the service, we're going to allow you guys to participate in the worship. You can quietly sit in your seats, you can pray, you can stand up, but we would like to open up our communion tables. You can go up as individuals, go up as families. Um, There's bread, there's juice, and we'd encourage you guys to, on your own, participate in communion and do that. We're not in a hurry tonight. There's plenty of time, Um, so make yourselves feel comfortable, and uh, thank you for this time. Let's pray real quick, and then we'll let Anthony get going. Dear Heavenly Father, We thank you for the cross. We thank you for your body. We thank you for your blood. Best yet, Lord, we thank you you that you are the God that sent his son that went through all this and defeated it. We know what happened on the third day. Lord, we pray that you bless this time, bless this 
weekend 